Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions. First of all, the idea that Joe Biden said come, because I, I heard the other day that they're, they're coming because they know I'm a nice guy and I won't do they're what They're saying this. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. They're not. <laughs> Joe Biden talking to his uh, pal George Stephanopoulos, uh, former Democrat White House staffer and Democrat Capitol Hill staffer. Um, it's good to be a Democrat, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, no, reality is is not real. Those were the subtitles beneath what Joe Biden was saying to his pal George Stephanopoulos on ABC. No, the people crossing our border illegally are saying they're coming because you have been ringing the dinner bell and handing out gift baskets and T-shirts at the border. Welcome to America. Marry my daughter. <laughs> that was a uh, Blazing Saddles reference, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Well, happy Monday and welcome. We are, as you might expect, at 888-630-9625. We have uh, more Joe Biden being an idiot. We've got the news media being dishonest because, you know, they're on television when they do it. So a lot of them, uh, sometimes they're just in print or on the Internet. But uh, we've got some of that, too. Pretty amazing stuff. And uh, lots of lots of remarkable things to get to today. Not the least of which is Joe Biden being Joe Biden and lying and making up stories. And the news media is fine with that. They don't fact check Joe Biden. Although they did have in the year end fact check in The Washington Post, they had a number of Joe Biden lies. They did. I'll, I'll give them just one day a year. They, uh, they deserve a little bit of credit because they accidentally told the truth. Um, it was after the White House Christmas party, so they did not risk their invitation to the Biden Christmas party, which they also screwed up this year because they, they uh, threw out tradition. But never mind all that. All right, let's go. Uh, let's go. We're at 888-630-9625. A lot to get to, but Jasmine is, if you call in today, you're going to talk to Jasmine, who's wonderful and uh, just great. And uh, she's posing now. And I can see her through the big window in the room next door, the studio next door. And she's wonderful. If you call, you speak to her. But uh, Jasmine told me that I should I should go speak to Dave calling from Roanoke, Virginia, because he's the guy to talk to. So let's go to the phones. Let's uh, let's go to Dave calling from Roanoke, Virginia. David, welcome. You're on the Chris Plant show. Chris Plant. Dave. Wow. I'm to speak to you, bro. Well, welcome. Tell me. Uh, thank you. Uh, go ahead. Uh, you're, no, I was going to tell me. Uh, tell me what you like. You're, it sounds like your phone, like you're eating your phone a little bit, though. I'm gonna get off of this. Uh... Can you hear me? Well, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Okay. Of... Go ahead. Uh, cool. 
Chris, it's an honor and a privilege, privilege to uh, get a chance to talk to you, man. Um, yeah, it still, you know? still sounds like it's in your mouth. It still sounds like the phone's in your mouth. Oh, man. That's better. Can you hear me now? Yes, All I right. can. Sorry about that, Chris, man. Uh, look, I just want to tell you it's an honor and a privilege, man, to get a chance to talk to you for your uh, – I really appreciate your patriotism, and you know I was I was incarcerated for quite a while, and it was pretty detrimental to your psyche to be in a place like that. And I listened to Sean Hannity, I listened to uh, to Brent Beck, you know, and Russ Limbaugh, and I was turned on to you, and man, you got me through some really tough times. Well, and, I. Um... I think I like what you're I'm still having a lot of trouble hearing you. You're a lot of motion, a lot of stuff going on back there, Dave. Well, I'm at work, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, so you're saying you were, in, you were incarcerated, you said, for a period of time. And I think for six years. Right. Is that right? And and that, and that you were listening to uh, this radio station and you were listening to Rush Limbaugh and you were listening to my show. Is that right? Dave, yeah. Dave, come on, Dave, come on. Join yeah. us, join us here. So, so that much, yeah. uh, so that much I heard. Uh, tell me more. Well, anyway, um, you know, you got me through a lot of tough times, man. You made me laugh in there. You know, it, it's really hard to laugh in a place like that. And I'm telling you, man, you, you're a great person. Your personality is just, is, uh, well, man, and look, I, pr- I really appreciate your patriotism, and you get me through a time like that in my life. And uh, that's about it, Chris. You're a good guy, man. Well, God bless you. I'm uh, I'm glad that you made it through your uh, period of uh, incarceration. Uh, not much tougher than that, that's for sure. And I'm uh, I'm glad that you uh, you sound like you're a patriotic American yourself, and you're calling from Roanoke, Virginia, and uh, you've got sentenced to prison time, and uh, you sound like you're, you know, your head is on straight now, and you're listening to Rush Limbaugh, and you're listening to, to my show, and that's, and that's great to hear. And I'm, uh, I'm very glad to hear that. You know, you're right. You're in prison. It's not an easy place um, to, to laugh. And um, it's very nice of you to call in and, and say that you got, you got laughs. I give you laughs while in prison. That's setting the bar uh, pretty high. So, uh, Dave, I appreciate that, and and I'm glad that you're uh, I'm glad that you're you know working. You're no longer incarcerated, right? And if you'd like to talk about what if you'd like to talk about what you're in for, and so on, that'd be fine. But if not, I understand. Right. And and one more thing, Chris. Yeah. What does uh, man? Oh, man, O'Shevitz mean, man. <laughs> Man, oh, man, is <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's very funny. I think that uh, I think that Sammy Davis Jr., uh, who converted to Judaism, used to say, "Man, oh, man, is Isn't that right, man, oh, man? And you know, man, is is the uh, kosher wine. It's a uh, Jewish wine, and it's uh, we're coming into Hanukkah, as a matter of fact. So, uh, man, oh, man, is is just kind of a goofy old line that uh, that uh, I've been using forever. And it sort of makes me laugh, you know. It's it's uh, bad wine, Manischewitz. That's uh, that's what's gone in with that. And since we uh, since we mentioned the Hanukkah thing, Dave, thank you for calling, in, buddy. Sounds like you need to get back to work, but I appreciate you calling in, and I'm glad that you're that you're working. You're no longer incarcerated, and 
and I'm glad that you got a few laughs listening to our humble and modest radio show while you were incarcerated for a crime that I'm, I'm sure wasn't too uh, terribly serious because you sound like a good guy. But, uh, Dave, thank you. Thank you, buddy, for the call. And since you mentioned, you know, we're talking about uh, uh, Manischewitz, which led us to Hanukkah, which uh, brings us to the New York Times. Did you see the New York Times? They, uh, in their crossword puzzle, you know, the crossword puzzle in the newspaper over the weekend, they created a crossword puzzle that the page is shaped unmistakably like a swastika. Did you see this? It's completely crazy. The swastika-shaped New York Times crossword puzzle from over the weekend. Uh, and Mano Manischewitz, let me just tell you. <laughs> what does Mano Manischewitz mean? That's pretty funny. I should ask, maybe Kevin could uh, could tweet out the... <laughs> the uh, New York Times crossword puzzle in the shape of a swastika. Apparently, the New York Times you know, is a fairly significant Jewish population in New York, if I'm not mistaken. And and they have their their crossword puzzle. They've been doing this for a while now. You think that maybe you could put together a crossword puzzle without shaping it like a swastika at Hanukkah, but uh, apparently not. Now they also had an episode in 2017 when they had to apologize for having another crossword puzzle that people thought looked like a swastika as well, but it didn't even come close compared to the one from this weekend when it comes to looking like a swastika. The New York Times tweeted out in 2017, yes, hi, it's not, in all caps, a swastika. Honest to God, no one sits down to make a crossword puzzle and says, hey, you know what would look cool? This is the New York Times tweeted this out in 2017 because people pointed out in 2017 that their crossword puzzle looked like a swastika. But honestly, it wasn't even close to being swastika-like when compared to their swastika (laughs) crossword puzzle from over the weekend, which looks unmistakably just like a swastika. Am I right? Yes. All right, let's go to Joe Biden, because I want to get to this Joe Biden audio. And uh, people took shots at him in 2017, but this new one, you know, if you're looking for a swastika in a, in a crossword puzzle, this is a swastika in a crossword puzzle. All right, so here is, uh, here is Joe Biden. Over the weekend, well, it was Friday. He was in Delaware, and he was speaking to a veterans group, a veterans group. All right? And here's the headline in the New York Post. Biden claims his uncle Frank won a purple heart, but story doesn't add up. Why doesn't the story add up? Well, it doesn't add up for several reasons. Here's what Joe Biden said. You know, I, uh, my dad, when I got elected vice president, he said, Joey. My dad. Uncle Frank fought in the Battle of the Bulge. When he got he elected. He very well now, not because of the Battle of the Bulge, but he said, and he won the Purple Heart. And he never received it. He never, he never he, got he it. He won. Think he could help him get it. We'll surprise him. So he got him the Purple Heart. He had won it in the Battle of the Bulge. And I remember he came over to the house, and I came out, and he said, present it to him. Okay, we had the family there. I said, Uncle Frank, you won this, and I went to peace. He said, I don't want the damn thing. Won it. No, I'm serious. He said, I don't want it. No, I'm serious. I said, what's the matter, Uncle Frank? You earned it. He said, yeah, but the others died. The others died. I lived. I don't want it. 
That's what he said. Now, here's the, the problem. He says, when I got elected vice president, my dad came up. He was elected in 2008, was sworn in in 2009, January 20th, if I remember correctly. His father died in 2002. His father died in 2002. So his father was not there when he was vice president. Secondly, his uncle Frank, um, his uncle Frank uh, had died long before Joe Biden became pres uh, vice president. And, um, and his uncle Frank, whether he participated in the Battle of the Bulge or not, there is no evidence that he was awarded the Purple Heart. You don't win the Purple Heart. That is, of all of the medals and awards you may receive in the military, uh, you are awarded medals and awards. You don't win them because it's not a swim meet with Leah Thomas. It's war. And a Purple Heart is an award that you get for being wounded in combat. I used to have my grandfather's Purple Heart from World War I, but it was stolen from me when I lived in California, uh, never to be seen again. And uh, there it is. So Biden claimed Friday that his Uncle Frank won the Purple Heart, won the Purple Heart, right, for uh, his participation in the Battle of the Bulge where he was allegedly wounded. But there is no evidence of the award, and key details of the story are chronologically impossible, the New York Post reported, but not the New York Times or the Washington Post. Because Joe Biden made it up. His father was uh, long dead by the time Joe Biden, unsurprisingly, became vice president of the United States in 2009, technically, after the 2008 election. And his uncle Frank had been dead for years. So he lied. He made up this story. He pulled it out of his rumpus. It's completely false. It's not true. All right? And you may remember when... He, uh, he lied that he was in South Africa, and he got arrested uh, with Nelson Mandela or something. This day, 30 years ago, He's crazy. Nelson Mandela walked out of prison and entered into discussions about apartheid. I had the great honor of meeting him. I had the great honor of being arrested with our U.N. ambassador on the streets of Soweto trying to get to see him on Robbins Island. That's uh, not true. It's called Robin Island, not Robbins Island. I've been to Robben Island in South Africa. I've actually been inside of what was Nelson Mandela's jail cell. I even have a rock at home, part of my rock collection from Nelson Mandela's jail cell. That story was completely false. Later on, he was forced to admit that it was false. When I said arrested, I meant I was not able to, I was not able to move. Cops, upper counters, would not let me go with them, made me stay where I was. Lie. I guess I, I wasn't arrested. I was stopped. I was not able to move where I wanted to go. He was a U.S. senator, and he's uh, making things up. He has a fertile imagination, and uh, he is a, a very, very seriously flawed man. What a horribly flawed man this guy is, I'm telling you. Um, boy, oh, boy. He makes stuff up all the time. Yeah, and, and, he, and I get, you know, when you're a Democrat, you just, uh, well, nobody's going to call me on it. What, somebody on talk radio is going to come in? Because the New York Times isn't, the Washington Post isn't, CNN isn't. And it's pretty easy stuff. His father was there when he was vice president. I looked up his father. I saw that his father died six years before the 2008 election, seven years before he was sworn in as vice president. Then I looked up his uncle Frank. His uncle Frank, uh, God bless him, um, had died in 1999. His father died in 2002, and yet, you know, I see dead people, I guess. 
they were with him. Like, do they look? Does he? Do they look like giant bunny rabbits? Does he call them Harvey? I mean, what is the ghosts of his father and his uncle, who died in 1999 and 2002, were with him when he was vice president? And then the mysterious medal that he gave, and he didn't want it. He didn't want it. That's uh, a lot of people say. I didn't want it. I, I didn't. They made me take it. I see dead people. You're listening to the Chris Plant Show. Um, the Biden family is a very strange family. His late father was there with him in the White House. Eight years, seven years, post-mortem. He awarded his uh, uncle, the uh, hero of the Battle of the Bulge, a uh, Purple Heart. That, I don't want it. I don't want it. Um, and I'm not kidding. I'm serious, which is always his tell. That means he's lying. And this was an obvious a series of lies. But and then the being arrested with Nelson Mandela. Well, the you know the Afrikaners they wouldn't let me walk. Sure, a U.S. senator was being that's that happened. Uh, so he came up with a new lie. And you may remember Joe Biden told another lie in 2019 about being in Afghanistan, and he mangled this thing so horribly about awarding a silver star to uh, I think he said a Navy captain in Afghanistan. And he didn't want it either, but Joe made him take it. Young Navy captain, Navy, Navy, Young up in Navy the mountains captain. in the Konar Valley in Afghanistan. Mountain. They're behind, it's a called a FOB, a forward operating base. It's a FOB. Behind these great big barriers on top of a mountain in a little cove in a godforsaken country. Godforsaken. One of his buddies got shot, fell down a ravine about 60 feet. 60. Four-star general asked me whether I'd go up into the FOB. Yeah, sure he did. Now, everybody got concerned, a vice president going up in the middle of this. But there was, we can lose a vice president. We can't lose many more of these kids. That was the discussion. Not a joke. Not a joke. This guy climbed down a ravine, carried this guy up on his back under fire. 60 feet. And the general wanted me to pin the silver star on him. Four-star general. I got up there and stand. This is God's truth. My word is a Biden. As a he Biden. stood his attention. I went to pin him. I said, sir, I don't want the damn thing. Do not pin it on me, sir. Please, sir. Do not do that. He died. He died. That was not true. That was not true. Uh, it was completely false. Uh, it was completely fabricated. Nothing like that ever happened. But it's his word as a Biden, which is that's the trick. See, that's the thing right there. As a Biden, those are the key words. Hunter Biden's word is good as gold dust. This is the Chris Plant Show. Inflation is a worldwide problem right now. Because of a war in Iraq and the impact on oil and what Russia's doing, excuse me, the war in, in Ukraine. Wherever. And uh, I think in Iraq because that's where my son died. Uh, the, yes. uh, because he died. Yeah, his, uh, his son did not die in Iraq. Stolen Valor much. I uh, got the uh, Stolen Valor from the Battle of the Bulge. Stolen Valor, his son, who tragically died of brain cancer uh, years after serving in Iraq. 
as a lawyer for a period of time. Uh, God bless him. But uh, Joe Biden has been making up stories about that ever since. Again and again. His brain is a no good. Uh, she's a no good. All right, let's go to the uh, telephones, Michael. Let's go to uh, Joe Biden is a big fat liar. Let's go to Mike calling from Stafford, Virginia. Michael, you're on the Chris Plant Show. Hey, Chris. Hey, um, bear with me here. This is a, an emotional topic for me. I um, served 28 years with the Bureau. Uh, I retired as a supervisory special agent. I didn't go. I know you can have an assistant director on here soon, but I follow my father's calling. He was killed in the line of duty with the FBI in, in 66. And I worked Russian espionage for, for most of my career. And um, I, I was a core group of the Ames investigation. I supervised the Howard Nicholson case. I supervised the Sacred Ibis case, which was the listening device in the State Department. And on Friday, I just caught a short blip from uh, Mark Levin show as I drove to the store. And he, he was comparing the FBI's tactics with Twitter as uh, Stasi, KGB likes. And I it just, I've gone to the point of being disappointed to the point of anger i mean i gave 28 years to the bureau fighting the kgb and now they're the fbi is being compared to that i've got i got a, a son who's now no longer in the marines but he did three combat tours in, in afghanistan and he survived some ieds and he's still paying the price for that and he's always asking me dad dad what's going on with the fbi and i'm i i i i just i can't tell him I and mean, i just don't know any answers anymore it's just uh and a lot of my retired agents, I just had a group of them last Friday. We got together, or two Fridays ago, for like a homecoming Christmas party. And, I mean, we're all shaking our heads. We're afraid to wear our FBI shirts around. And anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling. I just wanted to express my disappointment. For four years, I've waited for Paul Harvey, rest of the story, and it's never coming. And I'm just angry now. And, I, and a lot of us uh, retired agents are that way. And I... Um, uh, sorry, Chris. I, I'm rambling. I'm just no. Uh, you're emotional not. About you're, this. you're not. You're not rambling at all. You're uh, you're telling us what you want to say, and and it's important that people hear it. I remember when Richard Miller was uh, arrested out in California for cooperating with the Russians. My mom actually uh, teared up about that because it broke her heart. Because uh, my father and my 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 father's brother was an agent in New York and later in Omaha. So um, anyway, give, give me my life story here. But I just I just wanted to express to your listening audience that there's a lot of us out there. I say the majority of us that are just shaking our heads and don't know what's going on. And um, um, I don't want to apologize. I mean, I just, that's not 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 the beer I grew up with, not the beer I loved. So anyway, that's that's all I wanted to say, Chris. Well, that's listen, uh, Mike. I'm uh, I appreciate the fact that you called in, and I appreciate your anxiety over this. I understand completely. Look, I'm I'm a guy who was raised on Jimmy Stewart and the FBI story and Ephraim Zimblis Jr. and and uh, the FBI TV show and everybody. You know, the FBI has been revered by all Americans for my entire life and beyond, and. Really, I mean, I, I would say, and I'd like to know what you think, Michael, I would say it really went around the bend from what we can tell with James Comey and the anti-Trump thing. And you know that James Comey briefed the president-elect in New York, President Trump, and then went down to his armored FBI vehicle on his way to his FBI uh, jet to come back to Washington. And he uh, contacted his law school, his law professor friend, and was leaking 
the uh, what was in the briefing, which he later said was his diary typed up in the FBI laptop in the back of the FBI armored vehicle being driven by FBI agents. And Comey, do you think it started before Comey or or am I wrong about Comey or what do you what do you think about that? No, I I think you're you're right. I mean, it was right around the Comey time that. Um, and again, I you know, I keep, don't want to keep mentioning Paul Harvey, but I I tried to give them the benefit of the doubt, thinking, well, there's got to be something else to this. There's got to be something else to this. But I've never never seen it, and I'm I'm tired of waiting. I just want to express that anger. I I, um, I I think you're right. From Comey on on, the leadership of the bureau has gone astray. It's just. Um, now, I, I never achieved the assistant director. I, like, I never grew up. I, I liked being a supervisory special agent. You worked with your agents. You supervised cases. It was the best of both worlds. So, um, again, I, I think I'm rambling again. No, you're not. Anyway. And, and uh, I wish we were sitting at a table uh, drinking Bud Lights is what I wish. But you worked on the Aldra James uh, case. And Aldra James was, uh, for people that don't remember, was a CIA officer who it turned out was a Soviet uh you know, KGB cultivated uh, agent, uh, basically a double agent working against the United States for the Soviet Union. And your father, an FBI agent, killed in the line of duty in 1966. His brother, an FBI agent. You become an FBI agent, and you've got 28 years in the FBI, uh, supervisory special agent. You know, you, you your voice uh, needs to be heard, honestly. Um, I think it's great that you called in and and you're appalled and you're shaking your head and you meet with other, you know, I mean, you spend a career in the FBI, your your retirement friends are going to be your FBI friends. And and all of the sort of regular career FBI guys that you talk to and hang out with are all just appalled by what they're mm-hmm. seeing. Is that right? We're, we're at a loss. Yeah, it's just kind of... It, there's no explanation. I mean, it just everyone I see. I go to a Penn State game, and I run into a friend that uh, was former bureau, and he just through the course of the conversation goes, "Mike, what's going on with the FBI? I'm afraid to wear my shirts around." And he goes, "I don't know. And I just I have no answers." And again, with my son, I have no answers, and it's uh, he's uh, uh, anyway. And I your just, son, um, a decorated yeah. combat veteran, and he's looking and from this proud uh, heritage. Uh, uh, FBI family, you know, man, that's incredible. And, uh, and he's, made, he's made he, he's made the comments to that. And I don't I don't judge the current FBI as as, as your time. I'm I, I I brag about you, Dad. So um, I mean, he's he sees it. He knows what's going on. But he's not passing judgment on the historical accomplishments of the bureau and on on the current on the current way things are. What needs to be and done? I'd have a beer with you sometime too. I, I, I've come to one of your uh, uh, pint, uh, whatever the, the politics the, in a pint. I tried, I tried to come to those a number of times, but I always find I'm sitting in my car right now trying to jump my other son's car, and it's not working. So, I thought I'd uh, do something constructive while it's charging. Well, <laughs> well, I'm I'm very happy that you uh, called in, and uh, beers are on me when we uh, when we meet in person and. Uh, you just remind me, I'll remember, and um, and they're they're on me. Many as you want, honestly. I you know, and hope you're not Irish, but um, but uh, probably not. Listen, I I mean, I I grew up at like all Americans of my generation, certainly, uh, looking at the FBI with awe because you guys 
you know, we're the coolest, the coolest law enforcement agency on the planet Earth. And and it's horrific what these people have done to it. And we see you're you're doubtless following the news, Michael, that that uh, the Twitter people hired at least a dozen FBI officials to come in, not just their uh, their counsel, but the the uh, uh, agents and and others from inside the FBI. And then we see what happened at Twitter with the collusion uh, of the FBI, uh, you know, at at, uh, main headquarters and with these people that they hired to sit at their desks. And we see this anti-First Amendment. I mean, do you think that we had an, you you did this international intrigue and the espionage stuff. Uh, Did we have an information operation run against us, the American people, by our own intelligence apparatus? Not, not to my knowledge, and that's what's killing me. I'm like, I, I got a text uh, over the weekend from a from a, a guy that was following the Twitter, Twitter Twitter trail, and his response was, "This is scary. This, this showing that um, you know how how in bed they were and and trying to pull information against Americans." So this um, breaks my heart, Chris. It really breaks my heart. Yeah, yeah, and let me. I'm not sure that I communicated that question uh, correctly because I, I, I've. Uh, well, and, and there's a, a former deputy uh, FBI director that I'm going to play for you shortly. Um, but my impression is that the, you know, the intelligence community with that letter signed on to by 51 people, they were running essentially like a foreign intelligence operation inside the United States against the American people. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. And that's, again, in, in my time... <laughs> You know, going going get, get, to get Pfizer and stuff. You had to you had to justify things, and and if it was if our legal team reviewed it and it was going too far, they'd say no, we stopped there. No, that's you're you're, you're spot on with that. Yeah, the FISA warrants, four of them, completely corrupt to spy on the political enemies of the Democrat Party. Lying to the FISA courts, Comey lying to the FISA courts. I believe Brennan had to sign on to those FISA applications as well, lying to the FISA courts. Using Hillary Clinton's opposition research to lie to the FISA courts, not telling them that it's Hillary Clinton's opposition research. Lying to the FISA courts that it's legitimate uh, U.S. intelligence when it wasn't. uh, And... You know, and that's uh, one of the things that Marco was talking about earlier. Leslie Stahl talking to Donald Trump. Trump says, well, they spied on me. No, they didn't, says Leslie Stahl. No, they didn't. No, they did. Uh, Or, yes, they did. They did spy on you. And I think Michael pulled this uh, Leslie Stahl when Michael, when uh, Marco was talking about it on 60 Minutes with President Trump, saying he was spied on. And he was. They spied on my campaign. They got caught. No. And then they went much further than that. And they got caught. And you will see that, Leslie. And you know that. But you just don't want to no. put it on the air. As a matter of fact, I don't know that. Okay. Yeah, well, we, we do know that, uh, don't we, Mike? Yeah, Chris, I, I, I've stood in front of a FISA, Judge Lamberth, on the, on, and, and stood there and swore on a FISA for, against Pitts, uh, an FBI agent that went bad. But and if anything in there, and I swore to it, and, I, and, and it came out not to be true, I'd, I'd potentially be walking around in an orange jumpsuit. I just, uh, what's going on now and, and the way they're getting away with things, I, um, I'm, I'm a, again, uh, at a loss. I'm not, I'm not a real articulate guy, but... Uh, um, You're quite articulate enough. You've anyway. made your feelings very clear, and I understand the frustration 
I appreciate it. I'm jumping around. This is very emotional for me, and I'm jumping all over the place. But I appreciate you taking my call and uh, and let me spout this, uh, get it off my chest a little bit. You bet. You bet. Hey, uh, you know, anything else occurs, you give a call back, Mike. I appreciate that, Chris. You bet. I love your show. I'm saluting you, sir. Thank you. Thanks. And uh, unlimited beers on me? Well, you know, have to get an Uber. Have to get an Uber if you can find one. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, great, uh, a great call. And, you know, that's, uh, that's right. Let's go, to, uh, let's go to some audio now, Michael. Let's go, to, let's go to Jim Jordan. Let's go to soundbite number seven. As the Democrats say, uh, numero siete. Siete, numero siete. Let's go to uh, numero siete because uh, the Democrats might be listening or monitoring, you know. Uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, Republican Ohio, uh, talking about the... Uh, FBI agent named Elvis Chan, Elvis Chan, right, who was in this corruption um, up to his eyebrows, up to his eyeballs, and and um, and it's the rest of them. Jim Jordan, hopefully, you know, we'll get to the bottom of some of this. Well, we're going to talk to everyone that we know that was involved thus far. So we want to talk to this Elvis Chan, who was the guy having the weekly meetings, the guy in the FBI meeting weekly with all these big tech platforms out in Silicon Valley. Now it's big tech, big government, big media, and these NGOs or not-for-profits or whatever this organization is, <clears throat> all designed to, to run, a, run a, frankly, run a misinformation operation on us. Uh, that got my attention because that's what I've been saying for a long, long time now, long, long time, a uh, very long time. And the uh, we don't even know yet where all of the tentacles will lead, but we know that the FBI has been corrupted, writ large and writ small. Uh, and they hired all these, you know, look, the networks, they hire the fake news TV networks. They hire all of these... Uh, is saying, you know what? Let's take a break here because I've got, I've got a former FBI deputy director, Chris Swecker, coming up that I want to share with you for more on this topic, and it is a tragedy. And if we had a news media, uh, you know, and not actively engaged in the ongoing cover-up, no, no, that's not true. That's not. No, that is true. I've I found that they don't follow the news. They they literally don't know what's in the news. We got, and then we have Martha Raddatz, also doesn't follow the news. That's coming up. We're at 888-630-9625. You're listening to The Chris Plant Show. Now let's go to the audio of uh, now-retired FBI Deputy Director Chris Swecker, who I'm going to guess Mike knows. It's the kind of organization where you know people. Uh, but he was on the television this morning talking about uh, the, the crisis that we find ourselves in uh, because of the corruption by the left of the FBI and our intelligence community. Here is retired FBI Deputy Director Chris Swecker. The FBI has no business being involved in, in suppressing free speech. I could understand if they had a, a counterintelligence operation and they saw that some Russian intelligence officers or Russian intelligence operation was attempting to use Twitter to spread misinformation that was that was advantageous to Russia or, or could undermine our democracy. But I can't see any other scenario where they would where they could or would or should ban U.S. citizens or ban any type of free speech dialogue. 
That was the thin veil that was used. Oh, it's misinformation. There might be foreign misinformation. And that was the veil that they used to uh, protect Biden and the Democrats and the Biden family on the lead-up to Election Day in order to corrupt the outcome of our election. Chris Swecker. Never seen it in my entire career, in my 40 years in, in law enforcement. I've just never seen this. It's not a proper role for my former agency, which I love. I, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to some hearings. Yeah, he started out by saying, I'm not a fan of congressional hearings. I don't think we need more of them. But uh, in this case, I'll make an exception for his, his beloved FBI. And like uh, Mike, who, who called in, he's uh, talking about how his, you know, all his uh, pals in retirement are FBI people. And, and they're horrified and appalled by what they see. It's hard to recognize. And, of course, I'm part of the... You retired agent network, particularly retired FBI executives who retired at high levels. I talked to people inside the bureau, people that are recently retired, and people who have traditionally supported the FBI out there in the law enforcement community and the community at large. They're scratching their heads. They're perplexed. The, the FBI is hemorrhaging supporters because somehow their leadership has put them in the middle of political cases and, and the political arena, which I never saw in my 25 years of active service, and I haven't seen it you know, until very, very recently, you know, since I think it started possibly under Comey, and it's just extended forward. I, all of the top-level FBI executive positions seem, not all of them, but many of them seem to be ideologues who think that they can just bring their ideology to work with them. He used the word perplexed, and interestingly enough, uh, Yoel Roth, who was the chief censor working for Twitter, said that uh, emails have emerged now or texts or tweets and communications from Elon Musk with Yoel Roth saying that he's perplexed by the input they were getting from the FBI and the intelligence community. And again, they brought in at least a dozen FBI agents or employees to work at Twitter Twitter has onboarded at least a dozen FBI and intelligence agents since 2019, is the, uh, is the headline from, uh, actually, from earlier this year. I wanted to give them credit for it. At Vision Times, Vision Times, way ahead of everybody, because that story just broke over the weekend, and I was researching it. I found this story from June 22nd of this year. Vision Times. So they were way ahead of the curve. The New York Times is still not reporting the story. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. 